It was another interesting day down at Scotiabank Arena with the Maple Leafs unveiling their newest general manager. Just the 18th in history, which is a bit surprising. Brad Treliving. Uh, probably the last big day in Leafland before the summer months sort of uh, let things die down a little bit. So perfect time to have our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That's Terry Koshan, Maple Leafs reporter, Toronto Sun. Good morning, Terry. Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, we are pretty good. So my main takeaway from yesterday's press conference is that the Maple Leafs are trying to shed the label of desperate do you pick up on the same thing? Yeah, you know, I, I yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, Justin. In the way, I would agree with that. It's, um, just the the, uh, the manner in which this thing Brad for living yesterday. Uh, you have you hired a GM now, uh, Ryan Shannon, who has experience, is comfortable with it, uh, will not be phased by anything that he might have to do uh, with Maple beliefs in his markets. And uh, I think it's going to try to set a course of stability. Yeah, I, I would think that too. I just, uh, you know, um, I think you should be coming away probably if you're a Leafs fan, a little bit of optimism yesterday that things might be okay. And if they hired someone to, to make it that way, who has the experience. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was another new day. It was an awfully bizarre day, to be quite honest with you. And the fact, you know, you're watching Kyle Dewis a few hours later sitting in front of England's logo, and uh, that's going to take a while to get used to. But as far as living in Toronto, I, I would I agree with that solution for sure. So when you say everything is going to be okay, I mean, uh, you know... Well, I, 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 I don't think everything, I don't everything will be okay, but I think that that's the path that they're going to try to set here. Hey, Terry, we're going to try to reconnect with you just because it's a little fuzzy and we want to make sure that uh, we have no issues with the conversation. So we'll do that uh, now and make sure we get Terry's full analysis based fuzzy. on yesterday we don't want a fuzzy analysis that is interesting so, okay so maybe he's gonna he's gonna explain why mm-hmm. things will be okay but yeah i mean i think they're in good hands i think they're in capable hands yes it's just like what is the definition of okay is the definition of okay yeah we're gonna be another really good team fighting for the stanley cup and the goal is to win next year or is it you take a step back here mm-hmm. gonna reevaluate we're gonna make sure austin matthews is here for the long haul and we're going to try to make the best of the next five years because we just went through a five-year cycle. Uh, I think your definition of okay probably will define whether or not you think uh, this is a positive move for the Maple Leafs. Sorry about that, Terry. We got you back now. uh, You know, we're talking about like, okay, it's not that the window has closed because the Florida Panthers just kind of did the whole window closing opening thing. And now they're in the Stanley cup final, but I I think they wanted to kind of make a hard break between Dubas and for living five years, just finished, whether it's a failure or not, that's up for everybody else to decide, but we are starting a new five-year process here. And I think when I think about Brendan Shanahan, it would be rubber stamped by him because we, we did the math, not that it really, uh, you know, was all that taxing, but he's been around for over 20% of the general managers in the history of this franchise. He's only been here for nine years. Uh, do you think a patient approach is rubber stamped by him because, hey, this is his last chance, and he was kind of backed into a corner a little bit with this hire, but we got to take our time here because this really is the last kick at the can. Well, yeah, I, I guess if – I suppose it could be, but if you end up signing, uh, you know – Matthews, Marner, and Elander to long-term deals, and that all works out, then it's not the last kick of the can. It's just how do you make that team around them? Uh, how, how do you build that team around them now? 
and go in that direction and, and try to do a better job of it than Kyle Dubas did. Um, even though I, you know, I still think a lot of the moves that Kyle Dubas made, made were good. We're still talking about a team that won one playoff round. So in five years. Um, so it's, I, I think we have to remember that Trilliving is taking over a, a hundred point team. There's no rebuild or anything here. Right. He, he, you know, he refers to the world-class players and, uh, we have to remember that these guys are still in their mid twenties. A lot, a lot can happen in their careers still, and you know, I guess I guess I'm putting it that way. I'm saying, okay, I'm like, already, I'm comfortable with them running it all back. I guess so. At this point, we'll have to see. But you know, I, I think it's still the intention of Austin Matthews to sign. I think that's what he still wants to do, and I don't necessarily think that uh, a GM change will uh, will will have a hand in um, his decision there. But yeah, it's. Uh, from Shanahan's perspective, it probably is last kick of the can because he's had Panettes nine years now, and he's he's and it just hasn't worked for him. So you know, if it doesn't happen now, where do you turn? But like I said off the top, um, they bring in some of the experience you can get it done, and I just like just sort of there was some uh, comfort level right away with your living and in, in, in the job that he knows he has ahead of him. What did you make of Brendan Shanahan's demeanor yesterday? Um, Justin was. Maybe a little bit more critical and just saying that he looked uh, humbled, maybe, like this had been weighing well, on him well, a little bit. Well, Terry, you were there nine years ago. Uh, right. Not that you remember that perfectly, but I, I did rewatch for whatever reason, his introductory press conference nine years ago. Just, you know, mm-hmm. I was just kind of curious. Uh, and if, you know, the, the chest was puffed out then, and if there's any time to, like, puff your chest out, it's when you're hiring a new general manager you feel really good about. But he didn't seem all that confident yesterday. I put it as he looked like a bit of a humbled guy. I don't disagree I said, because it's exactly what we just talked about. He was asked about the pressure of not having one in nine years. And he said, well, I feel pressure all the time. So he didn't really answer the question. But he knows darn well there's more of it now. I mean, you know, how many times can he keep going back to the board and saying, okay, now this is going to work. The board's, board's board, you know, stamps the contract, says, okay, fine, go forward with it. It can't happen too many more times after this if this doesn't happen. So I, 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 I yeah, I, I would agree with that. The, the, the view of how he appeared yesterday, and I don't, um, I don't think we should be surprised by it because certainly the way that the team has performed in the playoffs, you know, there, there doesn't under Shanahan's watch. What are you beating your chest about, right? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you think that Brad and Brendan Shanahan will work in tandem? Um, Shanahan was was specific about mentioning that Brad was collaborative, um, yeah. and that their relationship won't be too much different than it was with Kyle. Mentioning Kyle, of course, saying like you know gave him well wishes for his job as well. But collaborative being um, a key word, I think that he used. Yeah, it is. You know, they, I, I think the other thing we should stress too is is you're talking about two men who 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 know each other well mm-hmm. and there won't, there won't be a period, a grace period now where it's like, okay, we fired you. Let's find out who you really are. Uh, they, they've known each other going back to, as, as uh, Living mentioned, you know, Shanahan's time working for the NHL and, and, um, you know, <laughs> you know, they just know each other anyway from, from, from crossing paths and all that sort of thing. But there is, there is a, there is a history there. So that's good. Not collaborative, uh, you know, obviously they, they have to be, you know, or you wonder how far you go down this autonomy road and, and the streamlining and, and the things that, you know, allegedly led to uh, some discomfort for, for Kyle Dubas. Um, is that, is that, 
if that remains, and I like, I don't think that any general manager in the National Hockey League has has full one hundred percent control. You know, um, so if it remains that way, again, we're, we're, I think it's important to get back to the to the uh, to the experience that that true living has. Um, you know. For the good things that Kyle Dubas did, he's still just been doing this for five years. True Living did it for seven in Calgary. Was an assistant GM in uh, you know Phoenix uh, for seven before that. Uh, you know has, has other you know positions in, in the minor league level. So he's been at this for a long time. So again, I get back to what I said earlier about you know I don't think anything that uh, that True Living uh, sees will face him. I, I think it should be a good tandem for them. Um, you know uh, probably. Less frustration, perhaps, on Trey Living's part if, if things don't go the, exactly the way he would want, personnel move-wise. But you know, I, I, I guess out of yesterday too, you kind of have to take or sorry, Shanahan out of the word. When he says, "Look, it's in the end, it, it's 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 what the GM decides ultimately, and it gives the word that he is." So we'll see. But uh, I, I I do think this. I don't think. I, I think that the key players, they were going to be on the same page anyway. I don't think that, uh, from the impression I had, I don't think Tre Living is coming in and needs to be convinced that he has to sign Austin Matthews or he's not going to trade Mitch Marner. Okay, I, I think that he wants those players going forward, and I think you made that pretty clear yesterday. So when you have agreement on, on those bigger things, you'd like to think that things that you know come around it are a little easier to get to decision-wise. We're talking to Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun. So uh, they do know each other, Brendan Shanahan and Brad Trey Living, but Brad Trey Living uh, doesn't know Sheldon Keefe very much, and he mentioned that uh, maybe a little bit of a courting period here, having to address a couple A1 issues, which is Austin Matthews, which, but right behind that I think is even Sheldon Keefe. So how do you think he goes about this next little period with Sheldon, um, how they get to know each other real quick and ask if they're aligned enough to see if Sheldon will be the head coach moving forward, and are they kind of up with their back against the wall in terms of what other options would be available at this point? Well, they kind of are, uh, because you know we've seen some names drop off the board, you know, Andrew Burdett being probably the biggest one of the of that younger generation and how quickly how, how much you want to go into a, a retread with a coach um so you know there's probably a few dinners coming up i would think yeah that's between the two of them at least and again you know what i i like I, you know true living I, I saw someone yesterday refer to this as being non-committal on keith well yeah but he also wasn't uh dismissive or critical of keith either and i, I think that um, you know, you, if you're in support of Sheldon Keefe coming back, you have to like what he said about, uh, you know, the way he described what he likes about Sheldon and, and how Keefe has brought a, a better uh, and improved defensive mindset to the Leafs and how that's shown on the ice. As he said, he can only, he's only looked at it in an outside lens, so it behooves him to obviously get, get to know the guy that he's just inherited. Um but again, he's not taking over a coach who's had a bunch of 80, 90 point seasons and has scraped into the playoffs and all that. Uh, you know, the question is, how, why haven't they won in the playoffs? And I'm sure that that's something that the two of them will, will get into uh, uh, the deep weeds on quite quickly. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes uh, because, you know, I think the leaning toward right now that Shelby Keep would come back next year. But is it, is it an extension? Is it into the final year of his contract? And a bit of a lame duck scenario we'll have to see. I, I, I'm, you know, we talk about the history. Um, you know, as we know, Tua Living took over in Calgary, a team that hadn't made the playoffs. Kept Bob Hartley as coach, didn't fire him, and probably had grounds to do so. And uh, you know, Hartley wins coach of the year the following year, so it turned out to be a shrewd move on the part of Tua Living. But 
we'll see where it goes with Keith. But uh, again, um, you know, Living knows that it's, it's on him to get to know the coach. I think indication from Shanahan has been that he, he'd like to see Sheldon return. So, you know, now we can see those two men can make it work. But if I'm Sheldon Keith, I'm probably feeling a little bit better today or, or yesterday at about 12 noon than I might have been in the days leading up to it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, based on the messaging yesterday, I would be stunned if Sheldon Keefe wasn't the coach uh, yeah. on day one of training camp because, you know, like if they're pe- preaching patience, they're preaching uh, preaching networking and relationship building, well, they're yeah. preaching they're preaching time. And if you, if you have one coaching bullet, which I don't actually think is true, but if you have the time, then why wouldn't you take it and make sure that you are identifying and choosing from the best pool of coaches? I mean, they just kind of got backed into a corner with the general manager and maybe they're really happy with the general manager it seems like they are but then you yep. choose the same processes to go with the coach that just immediately puts the pressure on when yesterday it felt like uh the pressure was off the pressure was not off though when it comes to austin matthews i mean i wouldn't be surprised if the mlsc jet is landing at sky harbor in arizona today uh to get these conversations uh underway would yeah. you would you consider you know if they just get Matthews done this year, is that, you know, he said priority one, but is that like the only priority? Well, it is the priority. All due respect to Sheldon Keith, this is, it, it, Matthews is the guy. I mean, uh, these the centers, like, say what you want about, again, Leafs not winning the playoffs, all that. He's still in his mid-20s. Centers like this don't fall off trees. We know that. So, yeah, it, it is Justin. And, and, you know, what else that has to be done? Of course, you, you, you're, you're going down the same road of, you know, in the same situation with William Nylander, it's not as pressing in my mind. And I think probably both the team and the player are looking at it that way. But uh, that is it. And, you know, the keys here, though, are, are for, for your living. If, if we're coming back with the core four, and it certainly looks like that's going to happen, and then it's the rest of the roster. You know what you have in those guys. So you're not, you're not changing the course of the team that way. It, it, it's it's making those other right choices on the on the on the rest of the group, and you know I, I think it's going to be crucial for them to uh, get to work too with Ilya uh, Samsonov, who's a restricted free agent. Get that done. Sort the goaltending out. Figure out what you want to do with Matt Murray. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Matthews is is the guy at the top of the to do list, and you can draw a, a, a straight line under him, and then get the chief, and then everything else. But um, you have to make those other things work too, and, and those things are all going to be on true living stable right now. Yeah, as I think about timeline, like, yeah, you put your best foot forward uh, this season. You try to win again 100%. You make the right decisions, but you try and sign Austin Matthews. That's what this year is about. And then maybe next year, it's tough because you're paying Matthews a lot. The salary cap's not going up. You got John Tavares last year, and he's expensive. And then maybe when he comes off the books, we're looking at a pretty extended timeline here, which makes sense if you're living. You don't want that pressure of having to win right away. That sucks for Leaf fans to hear, but it seems like they're preparing to win in a couple years, and maybe they they have some fortune this year. But, uh, yeah. It, 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 it doesn't seem like they're going to bend over backwards to do everything possible to win this year like Kyle Dubas was doing at the end of his tenure. Uh, Kyle Dubas was also introduced as the Penguins' yeah. uh, top guy uh, in uh, in Pittsburgh yesterday. Um, we, we decided maybe it was 10% petty. Uh, would you put it at 10% more the, uh, petty or more than that? What, what the timing of it? Or <laughs> yes. the, yeah, the timing, I would say. Ten percent. Uh, I might go a little higher than that. Okay, that's okay. fair. I mean, it just you know, I, I think I, I watched the I watched the Dubas thing, guys. I'm sure you obviously did too. I, at one point, I, I thought he said in there that they kind of made the decision coming out of the weekend. Okay, 
Yesterday was Thursday. That's a lot of time between Sunday and Thursday to not make an announcement. So I, I you know, a good point. No, no idea what the little details were at play. Are, are they now? Are they sitting back in pitch or going? Let's start. Let's tap our fingers and just wait until the Leafs announce something. <laughs> because at that point, I think, you know, knowing what we know now, it was it was pretty clear that it was going to be for living. And I'm sure that you know Kyle Dubas probably had an idea that that was what was going to happen in Toronto. But uh, they're sitting there saying, okay, let's make this timing. Uh, uh, as close to as possible, but it doesn't, I don't think so. But I also don't think they said, you know what, maybe, maybe not do it 90 minutes later, you know, cause it's going to look kind of odd if we do. <sighs> Didn't happen. I mean, it, it, it did. And, and there we are. And I think, I think it's an interesting day all around, um, you know, June 1st, it's a starting off point now for comparison between the two and where the two organizations go. And listen, I understand that what's happening in Pittsburgh, what Kyle Dubas is taking over there, it's a hell of a lot different than what uh, Troy Living takes over here. You know, and going forward, does Dubas, does he take any of this out with him? You know, he kind of alluded to it a bit by saying, I don't want to want to do this. Can't really do much before June 30th for contracts uh, uh, expire. We'll go into July and do a GM search then. Does that include a Brandon Pridham? Well, I guess we'll have to see. I think Pridham likes what he does in Toronto. And again, you're talking with a guy who's not only important in his role, but has a, a real solid background relationship with, with Brad Living. So we'll have to see. But I, I thought it was, uh, yeah, maybe 10 to 20 percent, Teddy. You know, you, there's, there would there would have been no one. No one would have blinked an eye. I think, guys, if they had waited until four in the afternoon in Pittsburgh, which they could easily have done. Well, joke's a little bit on Kyle Dubas. Uh, I think. Yeah, what was that? I, I, I'm just like, like yeah, yeah, like maybe you planned it that way. But, you yeah. know, I'm watching that press conference. And I'm like, well, Kyle, like, it's nice that you got autonomy, but it's not Toronto over there. And you got Sid, but it's not Toronto. That's just kind of the mm-hmm. thing that, and maybe that's center of the world stuff. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's still well, that, Toronto was the dream for him. Toronto was, the, he wanted to win here. And uh, as much as it might have been about, you know, showing up the ex-girlfriend a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know, they introduced you the wrong way, and it's Pittsburgh, not <laughs> Toronto. Yeah, it was uh, a couple more, two more things I took out of that that I found interesting were, well, li- listen, so if Dubas does hire a GM in July or, or August, how much autonomy does he give that guy now? When he clearly, that's what he wanted, you know? Yeah. Uh, how much decision-making will that GM have with more of a figurehead role? And the other thing I thought, too, that was interesting, and not that I'm, listen, I completely understand the way things ended in Toronto. He's, he might be a little bit bitter, if not a lot bitter, especially with the way Shanahan heard from the laundry after. You know, in his opening remarks, didn't mention the Leafs. Like, not even a, you know, a thank you to the people that he worked with and all that sort of thing. You know, I watched uh, Carberry thank the Leafs uh, briefly. His thing, I, I didn't watch Nick Nurse, but I understand he took some time to thank the Raptors and that. Again, a guy who was let go. And, you know, Trilliving went out of his way to, to uh, say a lot of good things with the Slams and his opening remarks. And I just, I, that whole thing with Dubas yesterday, I just thought some of that was missing. And it was, it was almost a little bit detached. Like, you know, you want to say, well, you, you were just, you invested so much here. And, and there just wasn't any mention of that. Not that, you know, it's necessarily required. I, I just thought that that might have happened. Um, you know, if you're getting past Shanahan and the, act, the perceived acrimony there, you know, for all intents and purposes, he just loved what he did here. You know, we know that. He loved the staff that he built. I think he liked working for Lou Lamorello earlier and learning from him and, and had good relationships with all the players. But we didn't hear about that. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was weird that it just happened all at the same time. But, you know, that's where we are. And, uh, you know, good luck to Kyle Dubas in Pittsburgh.
Did, did yesterday, last one for you, Terry, uh, yeah. like answer any questions for you that were left unanswered after his end of season? Like were you reflecting on what he said and maybe connecting any dots there based on his end of season? Or was that just kind of the about phase that it looks like? Who's that, uh, with Dubas? Yeah, with Dubas. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, it just, um, yeah, there would have been, you know, it's, uh, again, you know, somebody made the, the, uh, the, um, the point that this happened so fast, there's no time for Toronto to need to get there. I think mm. darn well, if, if the Penguins had announced Dubas yesterday and then here's their today, this afternoon, there would have been people getting down there for it. So yeah, I think we would have gleaned more that way. And there's, this wasn't the opportunity to do that. You know, and, and that's fine. And, you know, the, the Penguins, uh, the people and media have their questions asked about their team. So you're not expecting too many leave questions, which is, which is no, no problem. But, you know, that, that, that'll come, though. I mean, it's, it's certainly, you know, the, the Penguins are going to be in town at some point, And, you know, Kyle Dubas, uh, you know, will be available to draft, I would think. And, and those questions will come but um, in due time. But, yeah, it was just a, an interesting way the day yesterday, the way it all ended up evolving. Maybe dodged for now, but uh, pending an opportunity to talk yeah. to Kyle Dubas. We'll be looking forward to that, Terry. Thanks so much for coming on this morning, and uh, have a great weekend. Okay, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great weekend as well. Uh, Terry Koshan, Maple Leafs report at the Toronto Sun, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com for those that missed the introduction of Kyle Dubas to the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is how it went. Maybe. Maybe not. Good afternoon, everybody. On behalf of John Henry, who's here today, and Dave Beeston, it's our pleasure today to introduce you all to Kyle Dubas, the Penguins <laughs> president of hockey operations. Kyle Dubas. <laughs> Kyle Dubas. That was pretty good. I mean, uh, what, what Terry say? It was signed uh, earlier on in the week. Had a lot of time to perfect that yeah. name. Listen, it's not, you don't nail every name. Should probably nail the guy who's who going to be running the hockey team. Who was it that said the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, I don't know. That was a thing. We have that, but remember, someone said it was a news anchor. It'll always be Steve Azerman. Vancouver Canucks. Canucks. Okay, it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum 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 yum. yum. Justin, just give it a second. There's you know stuff going on. Back Josh there. is busy. Um, exactly. That's all. Yeah. The... Okay. Talking about press conferences, talking about introductions to new coaches. Well, yesterday was busy for press conferences. Not only was it GM of the Maple Leafs, president of hockey operations in Pittsburgh, but Nick Nurse got to meet the media in Philadelphia. And I think it's going to be a little different than Toronto. Okay. So Nick Nurse, new bench boss for the Sixers, had his introductory press conference Thursday. First taste of what it's like to be in charge in Philly might be a bit of a shell-shocking moment for Nick Nurse. So he was asked about James Harden, obviously impending free agent. Here's how that exchange went. And you got to be better at the end of those two months. And Do you want James Harden round. back? Pardon me? Do you want James Harden back? James Harden's a great player. I yeah. didn't answer the question. Well, I would say this, is that um, uh, James has a decision to make. And um, I'd be very happy if he came back. You didn't answer the question. He still didn't really answer he the didn't. question. I think he, he was shaking in his boots. If you watch this press conference, he yeah. looked really uncomfy. So, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times. Like, everyone slams on Toronto media. It, Toronto media is a volume thing. In Philly, it's volume and it's conduct. Yeah, they, I mean, they no, want answers. no one says things like that. 
Can in you Toronto imagine if you said that? Rooms. Yes, she did. Bride Trey Living. So, do you want to sign Austin Matthews to extension? Or like, what's it, what's the number going to be? Well, we're going to worth it. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> Where and like, how far are you willing to go? Like, what? Like, it's that's what it would be. You would lose your press pass, as Josh has said in my ear. I think you're right. You would be banned from Scotiabank Arena if you ever yeah. asked something with urgency. Maybe. Tell me now. Mm. That's a little. That's that's quite direct. You know. You know what it would have been. Sheldon Keefe. Is Sheldon Keefe going to be the head coach next year? Well, we got we got to work through yeah. some things. Is he going to be the head yeah, coach? You didn't answer, answer the, the question. question. Yeah, you right. didn't answer it. Is he the head coach? Yeah. We're going to take some time. No time in Philly. You better but, answer But, I things. mean, the answer is I don't know yet. Yeah, and that's fine, but I don't think he wanted to admit that. Mm-hmm. Whew. Good luck, Nick Nurse. Spicy ah, in Philly. He that'll didn't have fine. his Nick Nurse hat on, though. He's, uh, he's waiting he was suited to up debut yesterday. that. He did get a Nick Nurse jersey, though, so. Big 7-6 on it. There you go. Nick Nurse in Philly, a little bit different than his time here in Toronto. I didn't get any tension from the Pittsburgh Penguins press conference. It seemed like it was also very jovial. Yeah, because they didn't let the Terry Koshans of the world come down yet. <laughs> That's right. It's too bad, but he'll be here. Maybe we'll get him on. I bet he'll do... Mm. No, no. No. Not even a chance. I don't think so. Uh, I stopped myself as soon as I said that. Okay, uh, we, we got... Chat with our buddy John Morosi on the other side of the break. Uh, we got to bring up what happened in the United States the World Championships. You know, he's obviously a big fan and a little conflicted though. Like Larry, Larry David meme with Adam Fantilli having yes. such a big moment. Oh, he'll he'll put he'll bring the spin. He's he knows how to make us smile on a Friday morning. But Jay's about the one third mark of the season. Gosman looking like a potential Cy Young winner here in the AL at least. And then we'll talk Bo, the all-star, maybe Kevin Kiermaier, the all-star after that diving catch yesterday, which will be living forever on the highlight reels here at Sportsnet to say the least. Let's talk to John Morosi as the Jays head to the Mets this weekend. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All the love and praise for Kevin Gosman right now. Dazzling performance once again. Another game with 10 Ks, leading the league with five starts with over 10 Ks. Highest in the MLB. Justin is uh, injured right now. <laughs> I'm here playing through it. His contact lens fell out during the break and he... There's definitely a piece of dust on He's it. He's fighting through a little bit. He's partially blind for this interview. Good thing you don't have to see him. You just got to hear his voice. Is John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, joining us this morning. How's it going, John? Happy Friday. Uh, happy Friday to you, Ailish, and Justin as well. Justin, my friend, keep playing hurt. You got it, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, we're we're going to get through it today. He's, Appreciate he you. He is a warrior, um, just like our buddy Adam Fantilli, who we talked to yesterday. Um, we gotta, we got to say maybe like uh, a little bit of a mm, happiness for him, sadness for Team USA, where you fall after the World Championships. Yeah, well, th- thank you for, for starting out mentioning that. Of First course. of all, what a classy <laughs> young man Adam is. Just oh, he's so, incredible. Uh, so mature, great sense of humor. Uh, I just I, selfishly, I hope we have a chance to watch him play one more one more season in Michigan. We'll see. Obviously, it's a big decision ahead for for Adam and his family, and, and uh, hopefully the Ducks uh, at number two. But uh, what a great player! I mean, again, I I, I compare him to Jonathan Taves. That's what he, he reminds me of Jonathan. But at, at any rate, um, I, I it was a tough weekend of hockey for Team USA. Just. Uh, 
a couple uncharacteristic uh, late goals given up, and and uh, maybe maybe our youth showed a little bit at the end, but eventually, Ailish and Justin, we are we are going to get a gold medal in the World Championships uh, for Team USA. It's it's taken us now 90 years. Uh, maybe 91 is the magic number, but uh, my goodness, uh, a great weekend of hockey and, and full full credit to Canada. They, they really, I think, got better over the over the two weeks. Uh, Mackenzie Weger was amazing, I thought, during the course of the tournament, and and Adam to get first ever player ever, first player in the history of hockey, World Junior Gold, Hobie Baker, mm-hmm. World Championships Gold in the same calendar year. So uh, what, what a great triumph for him. Oh, we're happy to have him. Um, I, I agree. Be, it, Nice to see him play for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, maybe at the end of the month we find that out. Um, but yes, Canada on top of the world once again. And so are fans of Kevin Gosman, let's say. Um, yes. He's been yep. uh, pretty dynamite to start for the Toronto Blue Jays. Where is he ranking for you in top pitchers in baseball? I think he's in the top five uh, in terms of uh, what his what his splitter does and and just the unhittability of it. Uh, it's it's something to watch. I mean, he really is a lot of fun to watch out there. And his his ability now to get deeper into games, as we heard from John Schneider's sound a bit as we began the segment. Uh, I, I think it's it's both the quality of the pitch making and then the ability to to control the tempo of the outing that allows them to get deep into games and, and give the Jays what they need. Because for all the ups and downs of, of Manoa, for example, in the course of the, of the Jays' season, just to stay afloat, they've needed someone to, to balance balance out the rotation and just give them quality from day one. And, and Gossman has done that. Uh, I think Bassett's done a pretty good job, obviously, all season long, too. And, and Barrios has really come on the last month or so so there's there are some signs of hope uh it's just a really tough division and what we know about gospel and it goes back to his very beginning days with baltimore is that he really does love the competition he enjoys what it is to 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 pitch in the american league east and my goodness he's looking like an all-star right now and i'd frankly be stunned if he's not there in seattle a month from now so you said uh, top five, but is he kind of one of a kind? Like, I understand there's a lot of great pitchers in baseball, a lot of guys who can strike out guys, uh, but it seems like he's dominated the game in his own unique way. Is 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 it true that there's kind of one Kevin Gosman out there in Major League Baseball? I, I think so, and, and it was interesting. You know, this week I was in New York. Um, I saw Kodai Senga's performance, and it was, again, Senga hasn't been as good for the full sweep of the season as, as Gossman has been. But the next day I talked to Max Scherzer, and Max said, in his opinion, that, that Senga's forkball, and again, he's his teammate, so he watches them all the time, that, that Senga's forkball is the single best pitch in baseball right now. That's what Max told me. But I think that you could make a very good argument that Gossman has the best pitch in baseball because when you, when you consider the, full, the, the fullness of the season, he's, he's got the second most strikeouts in the game, uh, the entire sport, the most of the American League, and again, even with the schedule being being less skewed to your own division than it has been in the past, he's still doing it against elite competition very, very frequently. And certainly, the, the National League East is really good as well. And Spencer Strider's leading it; uh, he's got 106 strikeouts. But I, I just think who Gossman is doing it against, and and the quality of that of that splitter is just amazing and his ability to yeah i think too he doesn't just throw one version of the pitch and that's when you kind of go into video game mode 
it's like he can hold the controller, <laughs> hold that joystick a little a little longer, and then all of a sudden has a different uh, a different dive to it or a different action on it. And and when you can vary, when you've got a pitch that's that good, and then multiple variances of that great pitch, that's that's special. And that's what we're seeing right now from Kevin Gossman. Uh, talking to John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. Uh, sad pivot to Alec Manoa, who's uh, not performing like Kevin Gosman to say the least. Uh, what do you think Alec Manoa needs now? You know, Elish, that is an excellent question and, and one that I think is basically the defining one for the Jays in the, over the next month of their year. Because I'll, I'll begin by saying this. If, if a trip to the minor leagues is needed, there is no shame in that. Mm-hmm. Roy Halladay went to the minor leagues. Max Scherzer went to the minor leagues. Cliff Lee went to the minor leagues before eventually he came back and and became a, a Cy Young caliber pitcher again. So there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think that at the end of the day, the 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 ability to go deep in the games with quality stuff just isn't there right now. And he's not the first pitcher to struggle after establishing himself. Um, and he's not the first one to, to have to take a step back and, and relearn some things. I mean, he's, he's still going to be a very good major league pitcher. I just don't know how soon it's going to happen. Um, and, and to your point, the Jays have waited a long time for this to, for this to either correct itself or, uh, or for him to make the adjustments. And I, I think Shai Davidi made an excellent point at sportsnet.ca like it's it, you're past the point now where you're expecting it to just sort of resolve itself it's it's not going to resolve itself it's going to have to require some work and the question is can he do that work while in between starts while still competing at the major league level on the 5th day and that that is the that is the difficult part of it that that is the part that i think is why this game is so tough because the more you throw in between it might help you, but there's a limit on how much you can throw <laughs> because of just the, the demands of the position. So that's, that's where I just – I don't know. And, and is there something physical underlying going on that the Jays would say, okay, he actually has to go on the injured list instead of, the, instead of being optioned to the minor leagues while we work this out? It's, it's a really important question, and obviously the, the medical stuff I, I don't know enough about based on whatever's going on with him, but it's just he has not looked comfortable. And the one thing I would say, Ailish, that has really saved him to this point is that, is that the Jays' rotation, the five of them, and, and it's very rare in today's game, they've used the same five starters all season long. Mm-hmm. And there can't be more than one or two other teams that have been able to do that. And, and that in some ways, the fact that the rest of the group has been quite stable has saved him, has, has allowed the Jays to kind of live with his inconsistency for the, a period of two months. What I don't know is can they do it for a third month? Can they, can they tolerate this level of volatility longer? And I, I do think at some point there will come a point in the juncture where they just can't. Couple points of contention for the Blue Jays, I guess, with respect to the front office uh, this season to discuss, and we'll get to a couple of them, but like. They've left themselves no room for error with that starting five. Like, it's been imperative, if not essential, that they have all these guys going every fifth day, and they haven't left themselves any wiggle room for Alec Manoa. Say Alec Manoa struggling or an injury because they don't have anyone behind them. Uh, Should they have been better prepared for injury or the, uh, you know, just a a massive downturn in performance like what we've seen from Alec Manoa? 
That's an excellent point. And I, I think they had thought at, at one point that perhaps based on spring training that, that Tiedemann would be an option, and obviously he's on the injured list, and, and that's not a, a possibility right now. Um, but you're right. And, and I think this is where their, their middle part of the, of the rotation, um, the, the farm system was supposed to have produced someone. Honestly, the, 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 one of the great ironies is, is when you think about it, this probably was where the Stroman trade made all those years ago uh, Kay and Woods Richardson at the time they came over, and obviously Woods Richardson went, went over in another trade. But um, this is kind of where that group of starters was supposed to have come from. There should have been a fifth starter from one of those moves they made um, at, at that juncture of, of the Jays' um, existence to where that would have been a um, maybe an easier player to put in there in the fifth spot. The other thing I'll, I'll say, and this is where – I, I do think in, in, a, in a big picture sense where, and it's, it's nothing the Jays can do about this part of it. It's just the reality of, of their situation. Sometimes a, a six-year minor league free agent who is signing uh, with, with that, that team in the offseason will sort of gauge their decision-making, their, their ability to be that, that AAA depth guy, if you will, will gauge the situation based on either A, uh, their, their chances of making it to the big leagues that year based on who's ahead of them. And I think this offseason, the Jays did not necessarily present a, a, a great amount of opportunity because they said, okay, here are our five starters. We basically have a set rotation entering spring training. And, and players that were on the cusp said, maybe I should go sign somewhere that I have a better chance to, to compete for a spot on the opening day roster. And I think increasingly they probably did that. I also think that there, the, the logistics, you know, sometimes guys say, okay, I want to sign with, with a team that the, the AAA affiliate is closer to where I'm, my, my home is, whatever it might be. Obviously, you don't probably have a whole ton of uh, pitchers who are sitting there ready to sign who are from western New York. So there's, there's, a, there's maybe some structural things that the Jays couldn't really help that were working against them. The one thing I will say is that this is now the time you probably have seen news coming out the last couple of days about – pitchers or players opting out of their contracts. Mm-hmm. This is where guys have usually a June 1 opt-out in their, in their AAA contracts to where if there's a good starter who has been performing at AAA with they name the team, if they're not calling him up, he can opt out. And then it's up to that major league team like the Jays to say, okay, we'll take you, but only if we've got a roster spot in the major leagues right now. And again, that's where unless they're prepared to to option Manoa right now, they don't really have that spot. And that's why I think that the Jays are going to be confronted with this choice on Manoa very soon because take your whatever, whoever's got a three ERA in, in AAA right now pitching for the Giants, the Dodgers, whoever it might be, and can opt out. Okay, they may opt out, but y- y- to get them, you've got you've to create a roster spot, and that's where they may have to make a choice on Manoa sooner than we actually thought. John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. Okay, let's shift back to f- positives because I know that's your vibe. Uh, Bo Bichette has been all-star worthy nonetheless here in Toronto. How is he in comparison to the rest of the league? Um, in your eyes, I know you said Kevin Gosman's up there in top five. I feel like Bo Bichette could be in the same conversation. Yes. Uh, for, for me, Ailish, I would be stunned if he's not there uh, at the all-star game in Seattle uh, representing the Jays because he's – he, to me, is, he's been their best, certainly their best position player this season. 
And I, I think he's one of the elite position players in the sport. And the other part of it, and we've talked about it before, th- that sort of the big scoreboard looming above the Jays as we talk about where they're at as an organization, who is the one that you have to sign long-term? Mm-hmm. And I think Bo has played himself into being right now the, the first player on that list, if you can find a way to do it. He, he has been that good, and he's playing the, the premium of premium positions. Uh, if, if, you, if you're someone that likes the, the wins above replacement and the advanced metrics, right now he, he is second only to Wander Franco of the Rays as the most valuable shortstop in the sport, period. Mm. And, and that is remarkable. That obviously includes defense, and we know how hard Bo has worked on that part of his game. He's simply been their most valuable player uh, in terms of the position player group this season. And, and so I, I do think that when you look around the game, it's interesting for as much – publicity as as this class of, of free agent shortstops got in the last couple of years if you want to go back to before 20 the, the 22 season he's really outshined a lot of the, the guys that we spent a whole ton of time talking about Correa has struggled this year Trey Turner has struggled this year uh, Swanson's had a really good year with the Cubs so he's probably the exception to the rule Trevor Story who's nominally a second baseman he's been hurt this season. Javi Baez has been inconsistent and of course he was a big free agent a couple off seasons ago. So like you look at the, the the universe of shortstops that we spent a whole lot of time talking about Bo is better right now than all of them and I think it's a great credit to him and what a complete player he's become. Okay, we all agree. Kevin Gosman, Seattle. Bo Bichette, Seattle. Kevin Kiermeyer, <laughs> is he going to Seattle, John? That's a great question. That'd be a That'd be a really good story for Kevin. I, I think he's put together a, a, a really solid start to the season, I think, for, for the Jays. And obviously there's a, probably a little more competition in the, in the outfield area um, for that spot. But it would be a really nice career-type honor for him. And obviously he's not, not at the end of his career at this moment. But it would be a nice way to honor someone who's uh, been a really – he's been an elite defender for a long time. I think now put together some pretty good offense as well to go with it. Uh, he, he supplied that really important lefty bat that we've spoken about so much about the Jays needing that balance. So I, I, I think he's, he's going to be in the mix. And, and I would love it too. Uh, he'd be a classic guy to have sort of in that, maybe in the you know, sort of the final vote or the final round of the vote, because I, I do think he is so beloved by Rays fans and, and also now all of Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, we know this. Jays players have typically done very well in the balloting because it goes C to C in terms of the, the Canadian fans who get behind their players and really just really support them in a huge way. So I, I, I think Kiermaier, with, with that boost of the Canadian vote, which we know really is, is crucial in the all-star voting, Come on, Canada, get, get Kiermaier to Seattle, and I think that'd be a tremendous moment. Of course, and then, then he would have the all the, the all the Canadian fans from from British Columbia and the Lower Mainland coming down to watch him. Hopefully, in the, in the All Star game, that'd be a, a great story overall. If he keeps making catches like he did yesterday, uh, he'll walk his way right into that All Star game. Um, John, before we let you go, uh, Jays start their series tonight um, in New York against the Mets. Bassett on the mound and Verlander um, opposing him. 7 p.m. first pitch. I know you've been spending some time around the Mets. So, what do the Blue Jays have in store this weekend? They have exact same record, 30 and 27, going into this weekend. Yeah, really interesting team, and I think there are definitely some parallels in terms of high expectations on both teams. 
uh, it'll be fun, first of all, for Bassett to go back to, to where he pitched for the Mets in City Field. Uh, Buckshell Walter, I know, the Mets manager is a huge Bassett fan. Just loved having him on the team last year. And, and, and Chris is someone that I just think was a very, very respected teammate in, in New York. So I'm sure his, his buddy there will give him a big, uh, just a, a big ovation. The fans there, a lot of respect for Chris Bassett. I think they, the Mets are interesting. Lindor, you know, watch him carefully this weekend. He is someone whose batting average is down this year, but his production is way up in terms of driving and runs. Uh, we, we calculated this. He had 40 RBI as, as we were doing our game on Wednesday, and he was on pace to be the first NL shortstop with 118 or more RBI since Ernie Banks in the late 50s. So that's pretty amazing for Francisco. And, of course, Pete Alonso, uh, sort of uh, speaking of calculations and paces, I mean, he's – He's in that range with, with 20 homers already to where, you know, late uh, he might be able to get up to the high 50s, maybe around 60 this year. It's going to be a really interesting chase. Uh, New York hitter chasing 60 home runs. Where have we heard this before? So that, that's, that's going to be kind of cool, I think, for the Mets and their fans. The bullpen's been veteran and, and quite good, Adam Adovino, David Robertson. So I, I look for a really, really competitive uh, series there over the weekend between the Mets and the Jays. And if the Jays are able to win it, I think it's going to say a lot about how they're beginning the month of June and getting some positive momentum going for what I still think is a very hopeful Jays season. Looks like we might line up to see the ghost fork on Sunday if the pitching rotation. Yes. <laughs> That'll be fun for us Blue Jays fans to see that in action because uh, it's something special, as you mentioned. Yeah, it really is. So Kodai Senga, as, as I alluded to earlier with, with Max Scherzer's praise for it, it is it, – the Phillies had no chance. Uh, I watched the game on Tuesday in New York. Uh, seven innings, one bloop single. That's it. One bloop single was all he gave up. Uh, and it's just – I'm uh, – let's put it this way. Kodai Senga – now, the one thing I'll say, Alish, is that he has never pitched on four days rest before. Okay, so in, in Japan it's a, it's a longer – recovery time because of the schedule being different there and the rotation being different. So this has been a big discussion for the, the Mets. Do they go with them on regular rest? So I would say the ghost forkball may be a little less ghoulish than normal because he has less rest. But when it is on, when he's rested, it is, uh, it is downright frightful. I, I've, I've run out of ghost analogies, but that's, that's about all I got to, on, on, the, on the ghost fork. Well, it could be spooky season for the Blue Jays if they can't turn right, it around Alex, here. Thank you for saving me. Well done. There you go. I'm still, you know, I, I, I finally, my wife and I, we watched the, the, the lasso season finale last night. Oh, yeah. I'm still, still kind of emotional uh, <laughs> after that experience, but we're, uh, I, I feel like we, I was still able to bring a lot of positivity this morning. I love it. Uh, John, every Friday you bring some positivity. Appreciate it, and enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Have a good one. Have a great weekend. Thanks for the conversation. All the best. John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. I want to see this ghoulish pitch. Oh, the ghost fork? You're probably going to see it, and it's going to blow your mind. It Is looks it? like he's lined up to pitch uh, Sunday versus Kikuchi, but yeah, the, the whole rest first um, different rotation here will be interesting. It's not fully named yet, but uh, Blue Jays started Chris Bassett tonight and Justin Verlander, and then we got Barrios Saturday and then Kikuchi Sunday. So you might see it. You might see it Sunday. Gosman and Kodai might be like the shortest game ever. Yeah. If we had that. Strictly business that here. Just <laughs> and splitters and ghoulish pitches. So who did we try to get to the all-star game? It was, um, we did this for the NHL member. We were trying to, oh, we were trying to get a vote for the NHL all-star game. Well, there was John Scott was the first. No, we were, us as a, as a show, me and you, we Ooh. were joking were, around to get, we to get somebody there? to the all-star game. I forget. But we got to start with Kevin Kiermaier. We got to be the show that champions. That's more legitimate, yeah. Kevin Kiermaier. 
Oh, once once our buddy Ben Shulman said it yesterday, I was like, yes. 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 I mean, you got to deal with Aaron Judge and Mike Trout. Yeah, but he's the fan vote. He could get the fan vote in. Like, was it? It was a. Oh, it was Nylander. Nylander. It was right. Nylander. Because Nylander can't be an all star. He can never be the, one. Yeah, right, right, right. So maybe we have to do the same for Kevin Kiermaier. So we'll and both start. legitimate. I maybe think you can vote like a million times a day. <laughs> so, so get going. Kevin yeah. Kiermaier to the All Star Game. You heard it here we first. Need, we need one more reason at least to watch the MLB All Star Game. That'll do I, it. I'm, not, I'm not a big MLB All Star Game hater, but it's not exactly. It's the week in summer where you're like, ah, I could probably do something else. I like the home run derby. Do you? It's kind of. Fun. I like the game better than the derby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, Greg Wyshynski is going to join us on the other side of the break. Senior NHL writer at ESPN, uh, Brett Siegel, NBA insider at Clutch Points. will wrap up our Friday show. We'll do a little baby wake and rake at the end. So send those picks in at 590-590. Let's talk about Dubas with Greg.